everybody. Welcome into the well, first installment of the Red Raider Rundown. I am RC Maxwell alongside Brandon Solis. Brandon, how you doing, man? Doing good. Doing good tonight. Yeah, it is uh, a little late while we're recording this, um, but hey, we're here. Um, this podcast, for those who aren't listening to the RRS Intend feed, will be about Texas Tech football, and then we'll probably make that transition to Texas Tech basketball and then baseball next year. But the reason Brent and I are doing this is because we're, um, I wouldn't say the two only guys doing it. There's a couple others, but the two quote unquote main guys that are going to a bunch of the practices and covering all the press conferences and stuff for Red Raider sports. So um, they asked us to do a podcast and Brendan, here we are. Yeah. Excited to look a little forward to the future, uh, a little, you know, a few months into the future, but nonetheless recap some things that we saw from spring and talk about some, maybe some expectations, goals, and, you know, stuff like that. So speaking of future, Carnley properties, they can uh, unlock your future. Um, They are serving the entire Austin Metro area for residential properties, farm, ranch, real estate, whatever you're looking for. Uh, They made $4 million in profit last year. And that's why their slogan is unlock your future. Go give them a call again. That's Carnley properties and unlock your future. But Brandon, want to talk about spring and you and I got to cover that for the site. Um, was honestly just thankful we actually got to go out there and watch spring practice, especially mm-hmm. with all the COVID stuff going on right now. Um, slowly dying down, but still um, they're going very strong with all the protocols and rightfully so. Um, but who was kind of the biggest standout for you over the course of the entire spring? You and I got to see, I believe, 10 practices in total, including the spring game. Um, but who were kind of the names that stood out to you um, from those times that they had open media period? You know, I think you can go with the obvious, get it out the way. Tyler Shuck shined. Henry Columbia did for me as well. I know people like to bag on the kid, but he had a good spring. You can't take that away from him. A lot of, well, if we see him, you know, we're screwed. Maybe not. You never know. It's going to be Tyler Shuck, but Henry Columbia did uh, impress me. I loved what I saw from him. All the linebackers, man, you're bringing a lot of you know experience back with those guys. Marquise Waters, I guess, physically stood out to me, literally, because uh, he was uh, looked like a force out there. And I think uh, Rayshad uh, Williams as well, just his arm length. And a lot of the newcomers, I must say, a lot of these transfers that you're bringing in. And um, I wish I would have saw a little bit more of Travis Koontz, but I think we might have seen him. I don't know if he was limited or not. I don't want to say that on record, but nonetheless, I would love to see some more out of your tight ends, your freshmen stand out, Mason Tharp, uh, Jed Castles. Those guys stand out. There are two towers out there. DBs were really impressive um, overall, I think. And, you know, we, it was some of the little things like Adrian Fry. We've talked about it when we were out there mimicking kind of what he sees going on in front of him, kind of doing the drill without being, you know, the guy doing the drill at the moment. So that's nice. I'm a big Kobe Miner fan. Love what I saw from him. And I know that's a lot right there, but, uh, you know, a lot of positives. Tyler Shuck kind of wins it for me, but, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I think um, you you stated the obvious. Tyler Shuck is the guy that stood out. I mean, everybody wanted to see how he would get acclimated to the 806. And, I mean, he just hit the ground running as soon as he got on campus. Kind of just proved to be the leader of the team right away, which was – for me, in a way, kind of shocking because, again, it wasn't a guy that was here a week or two before spring started. He was a he arrived at Texas Tech, you know, a week or two after 
spring practice started. So that was a little bit um, interesting to see, no doubt. You mentioned the linebackers, 85 FBS uh, starts at the position at that group. Um, there you go. Quality stuff right there. But the guy I wanted to talk about most was I felt like every time we were doing those spring notes, I just kept mentioning him. And you mentioned him um, in those players that you mentioned. But at the same time, I think you uh, said about damn near the whole roster. Um, yeah. Which not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. Um, but no, the, the guy that kind of stood out to me was Rashad Williams. Do I know if he's going to be a starter? I, I don't. Um, I would assume that he has an impact, though, in the secondary. His length really stood out to me. Um, and he's not the strongest guy in coverage in terms of literally just physical strength, but his length, he knows how to use his length mm-hmm. really, really well. And he saw that in a lot of the one-on-one drills as well as the coverage drills. So that was something that kind of stood out to me. Um, you mentioned Marquise Waters. The, the dude's built like a Greek god. I mean, I've said it so many times, but he really is built like a Greek god. I'm kind of at the point now just kind of replaying some of the drills in my mind, Brandon, um, where it would surprise me if he's not on an all Big 12 team this year. Um, it really would because the way that he plays the game is just perfect, in my opinion, um, alongside Eric Monroe. Um, they can both do a lot of similar things, but at the same time, I think, um, and this is no disrespect to Eric Monroe, but he's not a heavy hitter like Marquise Waters is. Marquise Waters can lay the wood on a guy um, coming downhill. And he, I mean, he's he's the same size, it seems like, as Rico. I mean, mm-hmm. dude, is huge. And so um, he's got really good cover skills as well. I'm really excited to see him because I, I think people forget that his name was getting a lot of draft buzz, you know, we're talking, you know, fourth, fifth round type buzz, but he decided to stay in college, come back and be with his coach, um, Jones, you know, the DB coach now for uh, Texas Tech that was at Duke previously. Um, and now he's here with him. And I think that he just adds a little bit more depth. Obviously, you have Reggie Pearson. We didn't get to see him, yeah. um, but he transfers in. And again, it's difficult not to get excited about some of the D line as well. Um you see, you know, talking about a Greek God, you know, you got a Sean Oakman type situation in terms of just sheer body type, not the person. Um, but Tyrese, uh, Tyree uh, Wilson, my goodness, he 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 just towers over guys. Um, so really excited to see him alongside Jalen Hutchins and then Tony Bradford. But on the offensive side of the ball, um, I'll go um, a little contrarian on this one. The guy that stood out to me was J.J. Sparkman um, and the wide receiver um core right there you know you look at it eric monroe obviously broke his arm in two places you hope to have him back but overall you look at what the wide receiver core has and there's a lot of inexperience there um you're having to replace a lot of experience that's left whether that's Keyshawn, tj and yeah maybe they weren't as most productive as you'd like them to be but they still took reps away from other guys and so you're trying to find guys to go in there and fill snaps and I think J.J. Sparkman could be a guy that's um, a true down-the-field threat for Texas Tech um, as the year develops. I don't know if he's going to be one right away, but he's a guy that um, I'm very interested to monitor on the offensive side of the football. I did want to throw this uh, stat out, Brandon, and see if you saw it. I tweeted it out um, on my personal Twitter account. Since 2011, there have been only two quarterbacks to throw for 4,000 yards at Texas Tech, Patrick Mahomes did it twice, and then Seth Dagey. Do you know who the next closest is? Did you see the tweet? Uh, when did you tweet that? Oh, about nine, ten hours ago, as we record oh, here at 10 o'clock today. at night okay. on Thursday. I did not see the tweet. It was kind of off the Twitter today. Hey, 
Sometimes that's the best way to go. Uh, I kind of want to guess, but I don't know. Who do you think the next closest is from 2000? You're talking 2011. Is it yeah. so, Nick? Yep, Nick Shimanick yeah. with 3,963 yards. Oh, um, that kind of surprised me. The reason I bring that up, though. more yards. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's right there. Yeah, he's right there on the doorstep. No doubt. I'm nitpicking, no doubt. Um, but the reason I brought that up was he brought we both brought up Tyler Shuck. I think he probably does that this year, just from what we've seen. Um, and the way that the offense looked, and listen, it was super vanilla, what we saw. Mm-hmm. But you listen to Cumby, you listen to Coach Wells, and it sounds like Tyler's picking up the concepts really, really quick. But also, if we're just strictly talking talent level, and we've seen what Tyler Shuck has done at a Power 5 level, so I feel comfortable saying this, he's probably the second best quarterback you've had. Um, in terms of just on Texas Tech's campus at that particular time, um, other than Patrick Mahomes since 2011. Now, obviously, Mayfield was here as well, but we didn't see that upper echelon of Baker Mayfield here at Texas Tech. Mm -hmm. I think you could see that upper echelon of Tyler Shuck where you see his best ball in college here at Texas Tech. May not be a Heisman guy, but I do think he has that potential in the sense of getting 4,000 yards passing. Oh, yeah, and he damn well could be the best quarterback in college in Texas tech that we've seen in a long time. And I'm including Pat in that just because of the defense that Pat had, he's going to, Tyler has the opportunity to look really, really good because he's a really, really solid, um, solid defense behind him. I know assistant quarterback play might come into, you know, question here, but just looking at his receivers, he has a lot of speed on that side. He has some, um, some size on the outside as well. Once, uh, what do you call it? I don't know why, why I'm just blanking. Eric comes back. Yeah. He's um, Lubbock Fungi, Miles Price shined, uh, Nehemiah Martinez, Lubbock, uh, Lubbock kid, big time, you know, hype around him when we weren't watching practice. Uh, you know, we, we heard a lot of buzz about him, Trey Cleveland stepping up, Jaron Bradley, and the way this offense is going to work, Sir Roderick Thompson, Taj Brooks, you know, all those guys, all those running backs in the backfield, Xavier White included, they're going to get him a lot of, a lot of yards just on some checkdowns here, so. Uh, I think Tyler's in a really, really good spot to work with some really, really speedy guys. And just, you know, you finally have a guy that can get the ball to them accurately and throw it where he, where he needs to throw it. So I think that that makes this offense just, you know, that much more better. And then you add the defense and, you know, he could well be one of the best we've seen. And it, and it, it would be really interesting to see if he would have started his career here. Obviously he chose Oregon for obvious reasons, really big recruit, but, you know, it would have been awesome to see him develop however he would have two or three years but you take a year out of him you know you you see what you can get and uh, offensive line obviously has a lot to do with that so and they want to run the ball they really do so um i think we'll be balanced enough and i think his talent level and the talent around him is is probably good enough to get him over four thousand. yeah no i i think you brought up the point uh, the key point in my opinion is that there's a lot of guys that are talented enough to make things happen yeah, it's just that they're not proven yet. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's, you know, obviously just going to come with snaps and everything. Right. That's got to yeah. come from being on the field. But also you brought up the offensive line. And I think the offensive line um, has improved in the sense that, well, first of all, the left tackle situation has vastly improved. You got an all big 12 type guy and TJ Stormont coming in. Um, but also, I think the offensive line has improved because you've allowed guys to go to positions that they're better at. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the case of Josh Berger, he gets to move inside to right guard. 
You move Caleb Rogers out to right tackle. You already know what you have in right and Deaton at left guard and center. Um, the real question is with offensive line is how many guys do you really have that could be solid contributors depth wise? And you heard Sonny Cumbie say it. It was probably he feels comfortable with about seven or eight of them. Yeah. Um, so you probably need two or three more. But at the mm-hmm. same time, you can never have too many good offensive linemen um, wherever you are. So. I wouldn't be surprised if they try and add somebody in the portal um, before that, you know, is all said and done. I know that they made a run at an Iowa offensive lineman. I forget his name, um, but that just didn't work out for one reason or another. I would not be surprised at all if they actually do land another, and I don't want to say high impact offensive lineman, but a good depth piece and somebody that can come in and compete um, for a role if somebody does get hurt. So I think that's definitely something there. And I think that's something that, um, we both talked about that maybe just needs to be more of a point of emphasis when we're talking about football is if you just look at the evolution of the depth on this team overall, right? I think there's something to be said for that because in you know past years, you look at Texas Tech football and what there's one, two positions you feel comfortable about when it comes to depth. I would say now there's four or five. Um, and one of them now is the quarterback position. You have running backs, a stable of them. I mean, we didn't even get to see Cameron Valdez. He doesn't show up to campus until June. Um, and then you got obviously the linebackers, which is your strongest unit on the team. In my opinion, I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way. Um, and then I'm starting to feel comfortable about the secondary and the degree that I think that there's a lot of guys there in the starting roles that are proven and you know what you have and they can take that next leap possibly. But in the depth sense, I do think there are guys that won't come into the game and just, you know, S the bed, if you know what I mean. I think that they can hold their own. I don't know if, for example, you lose a starting corner against Houston, knock on wood. I don't know if you'll have sustained success on the outside. It might be a mix and match type deal, but I feel a lot more comfortable with the depth you have now because of the power five transfers you brought in. 21 four-year transfers under Matt Wells um, and 16 of them still have eligibility remaining. Um, So you look at that. I feel comfortable with about four or five groups on this team. I wish offensive line had probably one or two more guys, but I think that that's something that Texas tech football hasn't had in a while where you can actually look at the roster and say, wow, there is quality depth at multiple positions. And uh, that could play a big factor for them and where they want to go this year. Yeah, and a lot of that has to do with your transfers, obviously. You're landing these big-time D1 Power 5 transfers that uh, just are looking for opportunity. Reggie Pearson, um, obviously. Not Reggie Pearson, right? Yeah. Yeah. I tried to find his weight earlier, but uh, nonetheless, looks like he's a big-time hitter as well. If you can match him up with, you know, uh, Marquise out there, they, they have a lot of room to play, too. And that's a really good thing for, for this team. And I think turnover margin is going to be huge for them because that's kind of, you know – fit them in the ass before so we'll see how that kind of goes and if you can win that turnover margin like coach patterson's preached for you know three years now preached his whole coaching career to all any team that he's that uh he's coached before you can be in these games you can practically beat anybody in the big 12 i think the secondary going back is going to maybe surprise people i'm just really worried because you hit on it uh injuries are just you, you just obviously you never know and that's been you know terrible for texas tech and 
once we go week one and we're in Houston and like you said, somebody goes down, you hope that all this, all this pays off of bringing in these transfers. You really do. And you really hope that they, that they grasped it since they've arrived and have bought into this program, which I believe they all have. Well, I mean, you look at it, you have just going off the top of my head right now in the secondary, Adrian Fry, Malik Dunlap, who has been out for spring, but has proven that he can play at the power five level. Just, there's a bunch of bodies at North Carolina State. It happens kind of a similar situation to Eric Monroe. Marquise Waters has obviously proven that. Eric Monroe has proven that he can play at a Power 5 level. Rashad Williams has proven that he can play at a Power 5 level. You have Demarcus Fields. You have Taylor Demerson, who has stood out a little bit during the spring. Um, your guy, Kobe Miner, you have him as well. And then the list just goes on a little bit more. I mean, Jonathan Davis has had flashes as well in the spring. Now, you add Reggie Pearson to that as well. I think you probably have seven to nine guys um, in the secondary that you think, okay, those guys can make plays for me. Are they going to be perfect? By all means, no. But I think that you know that they are power five, big 12 level caliber corners or DBs back there. And you haven't had that number at Texas Tech in, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I'm not even trying to make up a number. I just legitimately don't know the last time you had that yeah you know and uh, i think we're gonna talk about it later but the sam con junior write up for the athletic i'm kind of you know browsing through this as well and uh 20 high school prospects mostly from texas with some junior college guys and uh traditionally that's what it looked like in 2018 with uh kingsbury now it's been you know 21 scholarship transfers so uh, it's it's big time. It's big time. You, you're adding that depth, and that's going to be that's going to be big time for this team. And um, now we're talking defense, which is kind of you know, like, I guess it's I mean it's been on the up and up, but obviously we're used to this Texas Tech offense being on fire. And there's just an interesting comment that the it's not going to be the air raid A to Z. They're going to have a lot of those core comps concepts, as even Sam mentioned. But you're going to see. You can listen to that interview over on the site with Taylor and Matt. Really good stuff. Yeah, it's awesome stuff. Awesome, awesome stuff. So, I think just kind of what you're able to do this off season and uh, what you're able to do, you know, hell, the past two, two or three off seasons, even with COVID going on, is really kind of put you in the driver's seat of this is the year you got to do it, kind of deal. You got to reach that bowl game, and it Uh, starts with a big time game in in Houston. Yeah, I, I, I think, um, and, and Sam mentioned it in his article as well, and I wholeheartedly agree. You could argue in terms of the most important game on your schedule, and I know this is going to sound cliche because it's the one in front of you, right? But Houston is the most critical game on your schedule no matter what. And it's because if you win that Houston game, you likely start 3-0 and when you go to Austin. Yep. And if you're 3-0 and when you go to Austin, well – Who's to say Steve Sarkeesian doesn't have that ship rolling in the right direction? Maybe you're 4-0 after you Mm -hmm. leave Austin. If you're 4-0 and you go into the month of October, okay, things can change really quick at that point because I, for the people that don't know, when you're looking at the Texas Tech football schedule, it's like, okay, yeah, you see it. And and it's one of those deals where, okay, you see Houston. All right, you start off the season with them. No big deal in that. And then you have Stephen F. Austin. Florida International, and then you're at Texas, right? Let's just say Mm -hmm. hypothetically you start and you catch Texas off guard, and then you go into October. I don't think it's – like 
there, there's a scenario here. There is a non-zero chance yeah. that they beat West Virginia, TCU, Kansas, Kansas State. Like you can be there's better than a... them. Like I'm not, I'm not going to predict that because I, again, I've seen Texas Tech before. Um, but I don't think it's unlikely. Like if you go four and one in October, because I'm not giving you that Oklahoma game, I'm just not. Um, yeah, no, you're not getting that. But if you go four in one in October, you set yourself up because of those three games you already have. And then you're playing with house money when you face Iowa State, Oklahoma State and Baylor. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the biggest thing is if you beat Houston, that is the biggest game of the year for you. And we'll talk more in depth about it and do an opponent breakdown and everything like that when the year um, well, when the game gets closer at the later stages of this year. But Right now, I don't know if there's a more important game on your schedule than that one. And I know that sounds super cliche, but again, you start out three and oh, you kind of feel like you're playing with house money, especially the way October 2nd to the 23rd goes. Because, yeah, again, it's not unlikely you win three of those games. If you lose to Oklahoma, who cares? You're bull eligible already. And I think you probably beat Baylor. You're seven and one at we're at. You know, you lose if you lose to Texas September 25th, yeah. you're seven and one going into Oklahoma potentially, yes, with yeah. three more games remaining that are doable games. Yeah, who cares? Even if you're six and two, like let's let's go, you win the first three, you lose to Texas, lose. and let's just say yeah. you go 500 in those four games, right? You're five and three, then you just have mm-hmm. to win one more between Oklahoma, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Baylor. I'm not saying that's the that's most scary, ideal position in the world, it's the most not the most ideal position. But at least you got four chances to do it. I think the last time you did it, you had to beat Baylor at AT&T Stadium, and you you got it. I think that's the last that might or the second to last time, but but you went to a bowl game, and you have but, some um, success against Oklahoma State too. Yeah, and you get Iowa State and Oklahoma State at home. You get TCU, Kansas State at home, and then obviously the Stephen F. Austin and FIU games are at home. But uh, the four conference games at home, you know, you should Kansas State. I don't know. I mean, what do you think about Kansas State? I have not. I just done think some research just, on them. I just think some <laughs> some of these teams are just. I mean, you know, we went to Manhattan what two three years ago and got beat. Well, you, you went know, there just, last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, in the Baylor game, you you got them here. Now that's a home and home. So that's kind of nice. You hopefully you get one in Baylor. But uh, hosting Oklahoma State, hosting Iowa State, you got Tyler Shuck. Iowa State's had your number, but maybe this is the year. But even if it's not, you still have. Yeah, I'm not you know, predicting that. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one for me to look at right now. And then, but anyways, back to what we were saying though, you could start off three and one, go on to West Virginia, leave there four and one, TCU at home five and one, Kansas six and one. You're ranked. And, and, say that. and I want to say this like, I am not predicting that in the sense that they're no. going to be six and one. I'm not going to do that. No. But I do think that when, if you win that Houston game, which I think again, it's crazy to say, but that's the biggest game on your schedule all year. I, I know you play Oklahoma. I know you play Iowa State. But if you can win that game, that, sell, that sets you up at 3-0 and most likely. Mm-hmm. And that's absolutely huge. I don't, I don't think I want to give them the Texas game. because I mean, obviously 3-1 and one sounds, and if you lose the Houston game, you're 2-2. Two and two. That's, just, that's, that's just, a huge difference. Yeah, just here, it's one game, but that's a huge difference in here and that one and that two at the end of that, so. Well, yeah, you think about it. If you're two and two, right? You're, yeah, you you have you have to win three, if not all four of those games against West Virginia, TCU, Kansas, Kansas State. Mm-hmm. You have yeah, to. to secure because you're not a you're not a favorite, and, and obviously in Oklahoma, Iowa and, State. And I think the biggest thing about the Houston game is why um, 
again, it's what May 7th right now. Like yeah. there's so many things that can change. Right. I think the reason um, that tech fans should feel confident about that is you're going to have one of the oldest defenses in the conference, if not the oldest defense in the conference. Mm -hmm. And even if your offense looks a little sluggish under Tyler Shuck, which I don't think is, um, you know, there's a, there's a non-zero chance of that happening. Like it could happen, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, uh, it just could, because but... it's his first game and I get it. Right. Um, but if your defense keeps you in the game, I'm sure Tyler Shuck's going to click eventually. Right. And mm -hmm. I think that would even be a bigger um, positive to say that obviously you want the offense to come out and be successful because everything we've seen in spring um, and obviously it's been super vanilla, right? We know that, Yeah. but it's been a lot of positives in the sense that just the offense looks and feels a lot different than the past two years and really even three years, because you have a guy that feels, and this is going to sound so disrespectful and I don't mean it that way, but feels competent in the sense that he is a power five quarterback. You have not had that, um, I guess since Alan Bowman pre lung injury and really you didn't even know if that was a competent quarterback. It was just a freshman that was coming out hot. Yeah. So, and uh, I'll tell you if, if Tyler was to go down, you obviously you don't want, you don't want to wish that upon anybody, but I mean, you got Donovan Smith, Henry Columbia and Baron Morton. I think you can't end uh, you know, Maverick hasn't made it official, but, if we what we reported on the site, you know, yeah. ends up happening, you still got those three guys, which have all all did impress one in one way or another uh, during spring ball. And I think obviously you don't want your starter to go down, but in past years, I mean, once Allen went down, it was you know Henry or you know you're just kind of unsure. You're not as confident. I'm pretty confident in these backups, which is nice to have that depth. So yeah, no, it, it's going to be interesting, no doubt. Um, but again, this is the Red Raider Rundown podcast. Brendan and I will be doing this every Friday. Some of what to expect. And just in case you missed it over on the RRS and 10 feed, um, we'll answer y'all's questions. We'll probably put it out. What do you think a good day is Tuesday to get some questions for the podcast? Yeah, yeah let's get some good ones in there. And then uh, we'll discuss position battles. Um, going to be talking a lot of wide receiver. Um, D-line probably in that regard too. Um, and, um, position. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to you know, maybe break down other teams as well. Leading yeah, up. no doubt. We might have too many ideas, RC. We might have to yeah. turn somebody's well, well, down. But, you know, opposing teams, I think breakdowns would be nice. Maybe we can have a guest or two join us. So Yeah, opposition reports type deal. Mm -hmm. um, learn a little bit more so y'all can be more informed when y'all go into the games. Um, we'll have practice reviews as Brendan and I will be getting to cover those. Um, yep. Player standouts as well. Um, and then we'll break down uh, position groups where, you know, maybe some are a little bit better than others and give them some grades. Um, spoiler alert. I think linebacker is going to have the best grade. Spoiler. Um, uh, uh, D line. I mean, oh, oh, we got, some hot to, we got to save it. We got to save. I the wanted hot to talk about one guy I did leave off. It's uh, okay, Trajan Lewis. Trajan Lewis. Love it. Shined in spring game. You Love know, it. kind of a name not, no, not many people know. I think he's a sophomore. But um, he made a, you know, a few damn good plays out in the spring game, and you know maybe not, not keep an eye out for him, you know maybe, but uh, I, he just contributes to the D line in my eye, and no matter if he's the you know in the three deep or not, but you have a lot of lot of potential in that D line. So, but the linebackers, I mean, obviously going in, 
you're pretty damn confident in those guys. Yeah, no, um, Lewis, you, you mentioned it in the spring game. He he dominated in one on ones. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. flat out dominated. Yeah, absolutely. which is not a good look for you know the guys that he was going against. No, no, for line, sure. So, absolutely. Um, and I'm trying to pull up exactly what classification he is. He is a sophomore from Maynard, Texas. Maynard, Texas. There you go. Shout out to Cars um, on that one. But yeah, no. So that's kind of what we'll be breaking down again. Um, it'll be, you know, answering y'all's football questions from the board. I'm sure there'll be some recruiting stuff. So we might have, you know, Ben or Matt on here to break down the recruiting more in depth since that's definitely their expertise on that. We'll break down position battles going on during, uh, you know, fall camp. And then we'll have position group breakdowns where we'll give them grades and maybe a sneaky player to watch out for in each group practice reviews, opposition reports. Hopefully we can get some guys from maybe the other rival sites to come on yes. and talk about their, um, you know, the teams that Texas tech will be facing that week and then player standouts. And we'll have much more along the way as well. Um, but you can go and subscribe to this right now. It'll be on Apple, Spotify, everywhere you listen to podcasts. But again, for Brandon, I am RC shout out to the sponsor of this part, this podcast, excuse me, Carnley properties. They will unlock your future. Um, so yep. go be sure to give them a call at, 512-627-4956. Again, that is Carnley Properties if you're in the Austin metro area. He is Brandon Solis. I am RC Maxfield. Appreciate y'all tuning in to the first installment of the Red Raider Rundown podcast. We'll catch y'all next Friday, guys.